Faith Norton family. I want to welcome everybody here and welcome everybody that's watching by live this morning. Everything. Uh, I think it's going to be an interesting morning. Uh, I'm just going to talk to you a little bit about what God's had on my mind and my heart for a while. Uh, you know, I really liked what Audra was saying earlier about our authority and faith and everything. And, you know, I, sometimes I get in this little area of, of, you know, we should be amazed, always be amazed at how God orchestrates things. But at the same time, I kind of sit like, well, you know what? We shouldn't be amazed because he's God and he always does this kind of stuff, you know. But no, I don't think we should ever lose that wonder. But always know that that is our God. And it just amazes me what, what God, how God just does kind of orchestrate things and, and the things that he started talking to me about. You know, and a little kind of little joke between me and Brad. Um, I don't know if anybody's ever had this happen to you before, but... Um, a lot of times over the years I've had uh, ministers ask me, say, well, what's God talking to you about? And I never really knew how to answer the question because at times I really kind of want to say, well, he ain't talking to me about nothing. <laughs> <You know? laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. What, what do you mean what's he talking to me about? And everything. Then there'd be times of, well, you know, I, I think and I pray and I meditate and I think about a lot of things and I know God's just kind of showing me stuff. So it's a whole lot of things. So it's not really one specific thing that he's been talking to me about. And I'm like, well, are, are you wanting to know this one specific thing or, or how do I answer this question? I never really knew how to answer the question. And um, Pastor Alan Duke from the Irondale campus, um, I was on the phone with him, speaking with him one day, and he asked me that question. <laughs> and I kind of didn't know how to answer the question. So I went back to Brad and I said, I said Brad, I said, man. So he asked me this question. I said, I don't know how to answer this. How do you answer this question? You know, so it kind of became a joke. And then we were on the, on the um, uh, camping trip with, the, uh, with all the men and our, our sons and daughters and everything on that camping trip. And, you know, we was talking about that. And so then I just kind of turned it around. And I started messing with people and I started asking people, so, so what's God been talking to you about? Because I just wanted to see what they would say. You know, I started asking other people, what, what's God been talking to you about? And everything, and lo and behold, people were giving me answers. <laughs> I'm, like, I'm like, well, gee, I missed the train on that one. <laughs> you know. So, but here's the thing. I talked to Pastor Alan Duke again the other day. Pastor Alan Duke asked me, So, Kevin, what's God been talking to you about? I had an answer. <laughs> and I was so I was so proud I had an answer. Everything, it was awesome. So, but you know, really about a few weeks ago, so this is what God's been talking to me about. A few weeks ago, um, I was on, laying one night on the phone uh, with a friend, and we were just talking about different things. And, uh, you know, it just kind of come up in me. It started, you know, God, I was thinking about, about old stuff, about kind of old times and everything like that. And, and, and real, more specifically about when I was younger and when I, when I first got filled with the Holy Spirit and, and got turned on, uh, you know, to the things of God and everything. See, I grew up in a Baptist church, and not knocking on Baptists and everything, but, you know, this Baptist church is kind of a little different dynamic than it is a Pentecostal or a charismatic church or, you know, a Word of Faith church or anything like that. So growing up in a Baptist church and everything, so they was really, you know, we got up and we went to church, you know, listened to the preacher preach hellfire and brimstone, then we came home. <laughs> you know, that was pretty much it. Yeah, so, but when I got filled with the Holy Spirit, it's like something, something happened on the inside of me. Some new, you know, a new hunger, a new desire came upon me. And I, I was hungry then. I was hungry for God. I was hungry to know other things and hungry to know about God. And so I got, I wanted to, you know, I wanted to listen to anything. You know, I tried to find anything. And I went to the, uh, the pastor at the time at the Baptist church I was going to. And uh, he was trying to, uh, he wanted to organize the youth into going out and going door-to-door witnessing. Well, I told him, I said, well, I want to go with you. You know, I want, you know, I want to learn from him. Because, see, in the Baptist church at that time, in the Baptist church, all the youth would sit on the back row, in the very back, and everything, and sit back there and pass notes or what have you. So when I got filled with this Holy Spirit and everything, I was no longer on the back row. I was sitting on the front row with a notepad and pen taking notes on what the preacher was saying. So I said, you know, I want to go with you. And he goes, well, it sounds to me like what you're asking for is a discipleship. I had no clue what a discipleship was. Now, I knew I'd heard about the disciples in the, in the Bible and everything, you know, calling them disciples. But I had no clue what he was talking about asking for a discipleship or being a disciple. And for a long time, still had no clue. But I've come to learn that when you're, when you're a Christian, when you become a Christian, when you accept the Lord Jesus as your Savior... 
and, and you begin that walk with Christ as a Christ follower, you are automatically a disciple as well. Because you begin that journey of learning. You begin that journey of, of acquiring the knowledge of learning about God and learning God's ways and His heart and things about Him. And that learning never stops. It doesn't matter how long you've been in the game. It doesn't matter what church you may be a pastor of or a member of or anything like that. You will always be a disciple. It doesn't matter how old you are. You will always be a disciple because there's always something of God to learn. Something more to learn. So I'm forevermore a disciple. Uh, So... So then years went on, and I was thinking about that, and, and that hunger came. You know, and, and the, the first minister I really got turned on to was Perry Stone. Anybody here know who Perry Stone is? All right, so now, Perry Stone, I'm going to say this was back in the early days now, uh, back in the uh, early 90s. No, 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 I'm sorry, I take that back. Late 80s, early 90s, and everything. I turned on Perry Stone and everything. He wasn't, he wasn't so... Uh, he was, but he wasn't so much focused on the, the prophetic and the end time stuff. He was getting there, but not quite. He had a lot of different, different subjects back then. And I remember Fred Stone, his dad, had come to my grandmother's church and everything. And I was like, I want some of his tapes. I couldn't go, but I wanted some of his tapes. So my grandmother, she you know, went to Fred and everything and, and brought me back this thing. And I chose what tapes I wanted. And lo and behold, they came back with a bunch of tapes. And I sat in my, in my room and I just listened to tape after tape after tape. And everything. Then, then I got turned on to like Kenneth Copeland and, and, and Kenneth Hagen and everything. And I would listen to anything I could get a hold of. Just listen to it, a, a tape after tape, just learning, marking up Bibles, you know, learning everything I could learn. Everything. For all those years. And, then, and so when I was on the phone with that friend that night and was talking about that, you know, I was just that, no, you, you know, I kind of wish I had that back again. That desire, that hunger back again. I said, I really haven't, haven't had a drive like that in a long time and everything. And just, you know, that hunger to, to just sit down and just spend hours upon hours studying. I'm like, you know, I, and I know I don't even really have the time to do that now. Because, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm an adult now. Oh, my gosh. I have to get up and I have to go to work. I have a job. You know, I got bills to pay. You know, and everything. I can't just spend, you know, hours sitting in my room listening to a tape after tape or, you know, whatever, uh, a podcast after podcast or whatever it is we'd be listening to now, you know. Everything. So, but I thought, man, it's that, that drive and that hunger. And, uh. So we talked about that that night, and I just kind of expressed that. Well, then the following night was a Tuesday night, and that's when we have our men's meeting night. And uh, so I was here, and, and uh, me and Delane were here. And uh, so when I was driving up, I got here early, and I just kind of, this thought ran through my head. Just, have you ever had just these random thoughts that come to you to do something and everything? Sometimes I think those are really just God thoughts. You know, God kind of saying, hey, I want you to, do this, and, but it's not really something, you know, it doesn't really come into your mind as God saying, hey, I want you to do this. It's just like, well, maybe I'll do that, you know, kind of a thing. So I'm driving up and I'm thinking, you know, I said, I'm going to get there early. I said, nobody else is going to be there. I always hear about pastors, you know, they, they'll go to their church and they'll go in the sanctuary and they'll pray for their church and they'll pray for their congregation and everything. I said, you know, I kind of like, I'd, I'd like to be that kind of a pastor. I'd kind of like to do that, you know, I've never really done that. So I got here. But I didn't come in the sanctuary. I went in the sanctuary back there, our fellowship hall, and uh, sat down. I was trying to do some things and on my computer and everything, and our internet was down, so I couldn't do anything. <laughs> so then I thought, well, let me go to the sanctuary. So I get up and I start walking into the sanctuary, and, I, and I'm, you know, you take my word for it or not or whatever. I promise you, people, when I walked in, I just I, I knew, I knew. I just had I had this thought, this presence, this this. This knowing when I walked through the doors of the sanctuary. And it didn't hit me till I walked through the doors of the sanctuary back there. And I came up and I sat down on this front, this chair right here on the front. And the just presence of God. I'm, I'm kidding you not. Presence of God just all right up in here in this front. Just, I could just, I could feel it. And I just sat there and I just started praying. Just praying just... Randomly, praying in tongues, just thinking and praying and, and everything like that. And, and I don't even know how long I'd sat there and everything. Then I heard Delane pull up out there and everything. So I started, I don't even remember what I prayed. All I know is I just sat there and prayed. And so I got up and went into Delane and we went in there and back into the uh, fellowship hall again. We just sat down, just, just talking about different things. And I just felt a strong pull again and everything. And I just 
to come in here and pray. And I said, Diane, I said, let's go in there and pray, man. And everything. So he said, all right. So we got up. I come back up here. And again, when I stepped into the sanctuary, I felt it again. And I knew it. And I come up here and I sat down again. Delane sat down in the back and we started praying. And, you know, we were just both praying in tongues and, you know, just praying and everything and just sitting there and just the, the presence of God all up here and everything. And, and, and next thing I know, we were up and walking around and, and uh, you know, just getting in this prayer. And, you know, in a little bit, then there was those messages in tongues starting to be given out. And when, when Delane started giving one out in tongues, I knew it was a message in tongues. I thought, I thought, Lord, am I going to interpret this? Is he going to interpret this? I said, you know, I said, I've never really interpreted it, you know, everything. But we, I just said, okay, well, Lord's got it. I'm just going to go with it. You know, so we just kept going, kept going. And, and then some interpretations came. You know, Delane gave the interpretation to one. And, uh, and then, then I had a word. And this word that come out from me has stuck with me since that night. And, and I honestly, in my heart, I honestly believe that it was for our entire church congregation. And the word was, remember the old, but walk in the new, the Holy Spirit fire in you. I said, wow. I said, you know, remember the old, but walk in the new, the Holy Spirit fire in you. And see, and you'd have to meditate on those things. I had, you know, okay, so Lord, what's, what's God trying to tell me here? You know, and then Steve and Rosie uh, Young came, and we had that weekend, or the, the healing uh, conference thing that weekend. And I was talking to Steve back there, and the, it was just me and him. And kind of, again, it was one of those, what's the Lord been telling you kind of a thing. <laughs> so I told him about that night. And I told him, I said, you know, I said, I said, this is where I think God was going with this. I said, you know, I remember those days of old when, when, when we first got turned on to God and got in, in the Holy Spirit and we were seeking and hungering after God and, and we, we went to church and we, we felt those powerful moves of God, the, the presence of God so strong, you know, it was just a tangible presence and, and those times when it was just there and so, so thick you didn't want to move. That's the way me and Delane was, was we not? I mean, Delane can verify anything I'm saying. We had moments where we just sat there. We didn't want to move. And it was just quiet, nothing. But the, it was the presence of God. And remember those times of those things happening. And the moves of the Spirit and God's and things that was happening. You know, and I remember that it was back in those days that when those thing, kind of things happened, where we was, and it was just that a, a pure, unadulterated hunger for God. Not, not trying to, to get anything or not trying necessarily trying to, to, to stir anything or cause anything to happen. It was just that pure, unadulterated seeking God, wanting the power of God in our lives, wanting God to touch us and wanting, wanting to see Him and wanting, to, you know, wanting His power in our lives and do that. Just that, that. I don't know if I can express it well enough the way I'm thinking it or the way I'm feeling it, but you know, if you've been there, you understand what I'm saying. And I said, Brother Steve, I said, you know, I said, we remember that. I said, and I think that's, that's what we need to get back to or what the people of God, what we need to get back to. And I said, no more the flash and, and, and the, you know, this and that. I said, it's not, the, it's not all of that that we need anymore. So not, you know, let me, back, let, me, let me try to clarify what I'm trying to get out here. You know, we kind of transition from that a little bit in certain things, in certain areas. I said, but now in this day and age, with, with where we're living and, 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 and honestly believing that, that you know, the, the time of Jesus is coming near, that there are people out there now that we need that. We need that pure seeking God, that pure, unadulterated, you know, that, and, and the power and the anointing that comes with that. And I told him, I said, that's, that's kind of what I think, you know, you know, felt like God was kind of, kind of leading us to. Is to get back to that, and then Stephen Rosie taught was teaching, and they began to talk about you know they were they were talking about the healing and and talking about faith and faith and healing and everything. <laughs> I got to ask you a question: anybody that was here for Stephen Rosie, have you had ample opportunity this past week to walk in healing and faith? <laughs> because I have. If you can tell by my voice, I have. 
it came on me Monday, and it has stuck in there like a rusty fish hook. <laughs> and I, I sit there, and I, you know, received healing, you know, did what I had to and everything, but say, you know, Lord, I'm healed. Thank you, I'm healed. Praise, you know, I'm healed. I know it's there. I receive it and everything like that. But, I, you know, and it's about Tuesday and Wednesday and everything. I'm sitting thinking, what is the deal with myself? Because, I mean, it's still there. You know, I'm still dealing with this. Now, by yesterday evening and tonight, you know, it's, things are better. But, you know, uh, from Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and everything, I'm like, what is going on? And so, I, you know, I would go to, uh, I would sit there at night and uh, I have some weird sleeping habits. I will start out sleeping in a chair, in a recliner. Then I'll get up and go to bed. Then I'll get up out of the bed and go to a chair. <laughs> and then I might get up and go back to bed again. <laughs> then I might get up and come back to the chair again until I wake up in the morning. <laughs> so, but anyway, yeah, I, I was, so I go to bed. I was sitting there in a chair and everything. And that's why I turn on everything. Uh, on, uh, I've got a Roku, so I've got a bunch of different apps on there. And I've got, I've got Andrew Womack and I've got Victory uh, on there and everything. So I turn on Andrew Womack and listen to that. And, and all this week... He's been talking about, you've already got it. <laughs> I'm like, really? <laughs> Just what I need to hear. You've already got it. And so I'm you know, listening to Andrew Womack. He says, you've already got it. And so he brought out something that I'm, I haven't studied this out. So I'm still kind of with it. But I can kind of see the point. And if I can find it here, well, I don't need to find it. But so... You remember when the disciples tried to cast the demon out and they couldn't do it? And the man came to Jesus and said, hey, you know, your disciples tried to cast the demon out and everything, but they couldn't do it. And then Jesus says, you know, says, Why are they? then the disciples asked, how come we couldn't do it? And he said, because of your unbelief. And then Jesus tells them, this, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. All right, so let me back up a little bit. Uh... I apologize, I don't remember exactly what. That's in Matthew, I believe. I don't remember exactly what, uh, what chapter, but that's in Matthew. But let's back up and look at, the, look at what was going on here. Number one, Jesus had taken Peter, James, and John, I believe. And it says, and John's brother, or and the, and the brother, and, and his brother is the way I think it's worded. Up until the, this is when Jesus was transfigured. So it was just those four that he took up there. So I got to reading, and I thought, well, now wait a minute. So the way Andrew kind of explained that is, is they could not cast it out because of their unbelief. And so when I think about unbelief, I'm sitting here thinking about, okay, unbelief, you know, you're talking about, okay, you're talking about their faith. Their lack of faith. And I'm sitting here thinking, all right, so wait a minute. If they were just on a mountain with Jesus and just witnessed this whole transfiguration thing and all that, and then they come out and try to uh, cast out a demon and couldn't do it, how in the world were they not believing everything is going on? Y'all see where I'm kind of going with that? All right, so now I'm going to sidetrack a little bit, and I promise you we'll come back around to this. If we're talking about unbelief and faith, and our faith is our belief, and our believing, let's look and find out what faith is. So now let's go to the famous faith chapter, chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11. I'll give you all a second to get there. If y'all like me, I'm old school. I actually have a Bible with pages that I still turn. What do you say? You're new school. <laughs> Delane's new school, he has it on his phone. <laughs> so now Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. The famous faith chapter. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. I'll say it again. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, I want to break that down to you for just a second. Let's take the first half of the verse. 
Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for. So what is substance? Matter, material. Substance is the makeup of something. So let's take our, the chairs we're sitting in. This chair would be made up of metal and plastic and chemicals and dyes and everything that goes into that chair to make it that chair. That's the substance of that chair. So now if we think of it in that terms, so now our faith or our belief or our trust is the substance of things hoped for. So whenever you've got something that you're hoping for, and actually I believe that word the hope there stands for expects, expectation. So whatever we're expecting, whatever we're hoping for, whatever we're expecting, our faith or our trust in God, in His Word, is what makes that up. You understand? Does that make sense? Now the second half, the evidence of things not seen. So what is evidence? Proof, manifestation, proof. When you go into a court case, when you're in court, you have to have evidence that something is or it isn't. It has to be the proof. You either have to prove, prove that this person did this or this person didn't do this or that this situation was this or not this. That's what the evidence is. You have to have proof or they're not going to believe it. They're not going to take it. They won't accept it. So now your faith... Your belief, your trust, becomes the evidence of things not seen. Of what you don't see. So now let's apply that to our life. So if we're sitting there and thinking, okay, what is it that I need that I don't see? Do I need healing that I don't see? See, my healing is there. It's there. It's, I totally believe that it's there. But I, and my, but I need it to be here. <laughs> I need it here. So now, the area is in my trust, in my belief. In what? In God, in His Word. Taking Him out of His Word that He says in Isaiah 55, 3, 5, that by Jesus' stripes I am healed. Now, see, that's where I think He was going with the disciples on this. Did they fully trust Jesus that at his name they could cast out a demon? And see, that's, that's kind of the thing I'm, I'm, I'm saying, okay, we're going to have to study this out a little bit. But that, you know, that kind of makes sense. Because if you'll keep reading that chapter there, and you'll notice something. Go back and remember I said he took four. And I tried to look up some commentaries, and I, and I was kind of amazed that in the, when it said Peter, James, I think, if I remember correctly, Peter, James, and John, and his brother. They always say he took Peter, James, and John. They never include and his brother. And I was thought, that was kind of weird. Why are the commentaries leaving out the brother? But he only took four. But it says when they came down off the mountain then, then they encountered the man who, who came and asked Jesus to cast the demon out. And he said, your disciples. See, in the beginning it specifically named Peter, James, and John and his brother. But when he came on, the, on down here, when the uh, man comes to him, he only says, your disciples. And I believe a lot of times we read that and we think that he's talking about Peter, James, and John. And I think it's a very distinct possibility that it wasn't. That it was probably the other disciples. It could have been. Now, this is just Kevinology here. Kevin thinking of, of just having recently, you know, just kind of reread that and looked at it. But let's just kind of go with this thought for just a minute. That it was the other disciples that tried to cast the demon out and, and couldn't because of their unbelief, because of their lack of trust in what Jesus had been teaching them. In their lack of trust in what God, what they had been shown, been shown by Jesus. And so Jesus cast the demon out of the boy. And then the disciples later on, which now is not specific, it says disciples. It doesn't say Peter, James, or John anymore. He says, this kind only, uh, it was because of their unbelief. He says, this kind only comes out by fasting and prayer. And this is the way, another way I heard Andrew speak to it. Talk, he wasn't talking about the demon coming out of the boy. He was talking about their unbelief. This kind of unbelief only comes out through fasting and prayer. Now let me ask you something. What does fasting and prayer do? 
puts the flesh under. Strengthens you. Does it move God? Does fasting, and, does fasting and prayer have any effect on what God is going to do and what He's going to do for you in your life? None whatsoever. Fasting and prayer does not move God. It moves you. So now that makes a lot more sense, don't it? That when you're talking about that kind of an unbelief, when you're sitting there thinking of, of the unbelief of, or the, 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 the untrust in what God has said and what, in what His Word has said, you need to spend some time in fasting and prayer and in the Word, meditating on the Word and fasting and prayer to get that unbelief out of you. Because you know, how, how, how long, many years can you go hearing about something, being taught something, learning something, only to find out that it's wrong? And when you find out it's wrong, how hard is it to turn around? On some things. A lot of times we think that, or I do, everybody else, but a lot of times I've always thought fasting is just talking about food, but that's not necessarily what it's talking about. There's a lot of junk in everybody's lives that we need to fast and stay away from. That's absolutely correct. Uh, for those listening by live stream, Delane was making the uh, making the statement that for a long time uh, he thought that only that fasting was only talking about food, but it's not. It's talking about different things, anything that can can clutter up your life. And how many can raise their hands and say that today in today's world we have a lot of things that clutter up our lives every day. We are inundated every day with some kind of information, with some kind of something that gets in our lives that that even affects our thinkings. Our thinking. Do you know that one of the most subtle things, deceptive things that Satan comes to you with is something you will believe is true? Have you ever had somebody talk to you or tell you something that sounded so right and so logical? Notice I said logical. That sounds so right and so logical and so makes sense but is absolutely wrong. I've had people do that to me before. They'll tell me something, say it to me, and say it in such a way that it sounds right. And you're like, okay, that makes, makes sense. But it's wrong. That's how the enemy does. He can give us information. And a lot of times, I hate to say it, it will come through people that we trust. You know, we can we put our trust in, and and let me let me put this out there. It doesn't mean that they're bad. A lot of times it don't. It's just that the 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 manipulation of the enemy upon things, you know. But you can hear things, especially from somebody who tr- who you trust that will tell you something, and it sounds that way so right and so like make make so much sense and everything, but it's wrong. It's <laughs> a person I know that. <laughs> God love him, that the way his mind works, if it's somebody that he admires, if it's somebody that he looks up to, they could tell him that the sky is green and grass is purple, and he would absolutely, equivocally, 100% believe it until you took him up outside, pointed his head up to the sky and showed him that the sky is blue, pointed his head to the ground and showed him that grass is green. That's kind of how that works in a way. You see? And, and, and I'll be honest with you, you have to do that with preachers, ministers that we hear. Because a lot of times we can hear something, whether it be by somebody on TV or somebody, you know, that we go to, uh, you know, and everything like that. And it sounds so good and so right and so biblical and everything, but it's wrong. You know, and I'm not trying to disparage any preacher. And I'm not trying to sound like I know everything because I do not. Because like I told you before, I am a disciple and I'm always learning. And, you know, part of being a disciple and learning is when knowing when to say that you're wrong. And I'm fully ready to say, hey, you know what? I was wrong about that. That's why I went in here about talking about uh, uh, the unbelief thing and the, with the disciples and everything. I'm sorry. That's why I'm saying this is Kevinology on here. This is what I'm kind of thinking. This is what I'm feeling on this. You know, and all that. That's why, you, that's why I'm telling you, you're a disciple. You have to learn it. You have to read it. You have to study it for yourself. You know, you, you hear the, the same old adage. Don't take a preacher's word for it. You know. 
And unfortunately, that's what a lot of people do. They just take the preacher's word for it because they trust the preacher and believe he's telling them what's right. And they're off in all kinds of mess and unbelief. And, and you know, and I'm not trying to get off on, on preachers and everything, but, you know, one of my little soapboxes is stupid church crap, you know. And, uh, <laughs> and what, you know, what I mean by that is just, you know, uh, preachers and, and, and ministers that just do stupid stuff, you know, that make the rest of us look bad, <laughs> you know. Whether whether intentionally or unintentionally, you know. All right, all right I'm going to tell you this. <laughs> I hope I don't offend nobody, or if y'all know who this church is, I don't know. <laughs> I'm sorry, but one of my one of my little things is cheesy church signs. I've always had, hated cheesy church signs because I think it makes us look bad when you've got something just cheesy and goofy on your church sign. Okay, God love them. God help them. I know they're trying. <laughs> Everything. But I like a good church sign every once in a while. But there's one church sign that's coming through an area that I come through, and I'm not going to give the area because, I, like I said, I'm not trying to, to be mean or, you know, anything like that. But on the sign it says, when all else fails, pray. <laughs> and I saw it, and I was like, and I just sit there and I thought, on a church sign a, a, a church it says when all else fails pray <laughs> and I'm just sitting there thinking so we're a church our, our whole theology is, is part of it is built on praying and prayer and talking to our God but you're telling me that when all else fails then pray so I'm not wondering. So then it makes me wonder, what else are you talking about doing before praying? <laughs> you know, let's let's get this. You know, let's get this correct here. But you know, like I say, you know, I I get this. I get the gist of it. You know, it, it, out here in the world and everything, you think, well, you've done everything you could done. Take it to God. But see, that's wrong. That almost sounds right, don't it? When you've done everything you can done, when you when it took it, then then go to God with it or take it to God. That almost sounds right. It almost sounds logical. But it's wrong. Because the very first thing we should do is be taking it to God. You know? <laughs> I'm sorry. I just, that sign has been on my mind for days. <laughs> I had to tell somebody. <laughs> but another area, I'm not trying to be mean. But it's just, when all else fails, pray. <laughs> so, let's look on over here. So, so now back talking about faith and faith being our belief and our trust in God. And why is it so important? So in verse 6, it tells us why. It says, but without faith, it is impossible to please him. And see, a lot of people would stop at that right there and say, well, you know, so if I don't have faith, I can't please God. You know, ain't, don't God love me? You know, I thought that was the whole thing, the reason Jesus came. You know, and everything, and died on the cross is because God loved me, and so now you're telling me I, I can't please Him? No, keep reading. Without faith, it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe, there's that word believe, that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. So when I come to God, I, I, first off, I've got to believe that He is God. That He is. And that when I seek Him, I'm going to reap the rewards of seeking Him. How many of you can tell me that when, when, you, when you really, when you seek after God, things happen? You know? I can tell you, and, and, and I'm going to bring that back around to talking about what I was talking about earlier, about remembering the old. Because, you know, uh, I thought about titling this day called Your Life of Faith because uh, a few weeks ago when uh, Brad and I were at the main campus and Brad was uh, uh, ministering, I was sitting there and, and just a random thought because the main campus is Life of Faith. We're Life of Faith North and everything and just this random thought, what is your life of faith? And I had to sit, you know, and I sat there and I thought, what is my life of faith? So looking back over my life, looking back over your life, 
where you've walked in faith, where you've relied on God and God has met your needs and you sit there and you've probably sweated like you didn't know, like you could have sweated because you didn't know how something was going to work out, but you cried out to God and, and you had to make a stand and say, I believe God no matter what and everything. And then next thing you know, it's happening. That's our life of faith. We come to him and because he is God and we believe that he is God. Because we're diligently seeking him. And I had something I was going to say and the thought just went. Oh, I know what it was. Here's something we need to learn. God's ways are not our ways. His thoughts are not our thoughts. Things don't come like we always think they're going to. I can't tell you how many times in my life that I've, I've looked and searched for an answer and prayed for something to happen and it didn't come the way I thought it might. See, this, this is an area of learning, disciples. This is an area of learning. A lot of people shipwreck their faith. A lot of people wound their own trust of God by tr- thinking they, are gonna, they know how God's going to do it. Or trying to figure out how they're going to do it. How God's going to do it. See, when you've got that bill to pay, and you're sitting there thinking, okay, God, I need X amount of dollars. Everything. So how, okay, God, so God, I believe God. God said he wants me to prosper. God said he's going to meet my needs. And I'm standing on the word. And God's, all right, so how's God going to do it? Am I going to walk out to my mailbox and find an envelope in my mailbox of X amount of dollars? Is somebody going to just walk up out of the blue and hand me, you know, hand me X amount of dollars? You know? Am I all of a sudden going to get a raise on, at my job and everything, X amount of dollars? And then guess what? It don't happen that way. And guess what? Well, God must not going to be blessing me. God must not want me to have it. That's where a lot of people end up shipwrecking and hurting their, their trust in Him and their belief in Him. Is when God doesn't do it like we, we in our minds start to think that way. And the enemy uses that. He'll jump on that and try to use that to keep you in that kind of a cycle. So I had to get myself in a place of when I pray for something, all right, God, however it's going to come, it's going to come. And I, I, and I have to make, sometimes I have to make myself not be concerned with how it's going to happen. And I'll be honest with you, I kind of flubbed. That's probably what I should have done this week concerning this, this sickness that tried to come on me and everything. Because I started praying, I started thinking and everything, and I kept expecting healing to just quickly manifest. And it didn't. So I'm sitting here thinking, okay, what's the deal? You know. So if I had just stood and, and, and said, okay, I'm healed. And the word says I'm healed. I believe the word. Thank you, Lord, that I have healing. Praise God. Every time I sniffled, coughed, sneezed, what have you, and everything, praise God for healing. But instead, I got off of him to, what's the deal? Why ain't this happening? What's going on? You know. So that's kind of where we mess up. We have to just give to God and let God have it and, you know, don't worry about how it comes. Does that make sense? That makes sense to everybody, you know? And we do that in the area of our finances, too, just to throw that out there. You know, the Lord showed me something a while back. So when you give your, when you sow a seed or when you give your tithe and everything, you know, when you determine in your heart what you're giving and everything, beyond that point, it's not your concern what happens to it. Yeah. When I when I go to give my tithe, I, I mean, I, I, lately I've had you know, just immediately when 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 tithes or, or or giving comes up and everything, I've I've had amounts just kind of drop like that in, in me, and I said, okay, so I write it, never think about it again. But unfortunately, out in the world and in, in a lot of churches and everything, people get caught up in okay, well, where's my money going? It ain't your money no more, sweetheart. <laughs> you know, I mean, once you know, once it leaves your leaves your pretty little pile there, it ain't yours no more. You know, it's God's. You know, and that goes in our other areas too. Once you determine to believe God, once you determine that you're going to say, "Hey, He's God, and I trust Him." That he said what he says in his word is true. And I choose, I choose, I make the decision and I choose to believe him 
then when it comes, how it comes, however long it takes to come is not my concern. How much it comes at one time is not my concern. It's His. And He ain't going to leave you high and dry. He hadn't me yet. See, and that goes back, that, there again, that goes back to another thing of remembering the old. Remembering how often God has brought you through, how often God has met, it, met you, and how often God has brought you through something. I mean, you know, somebody can correct me if I'm wrong, but let's think about this. The children of Israel, when they were brought out of Egypt and everything, they went through the wilderness, and God was meeting need after need after need and everything. And what did they do? They still ended up being a whiny bunch of brats. <laughs> you know? I mean, that's always kind of amazed me, you know. And, and maybe I'm, I'm thinking more of, you know, Cecil B. DeMille's Ten Commandments, watching that. And you know, when they, when they get to the point and they want to whine about something and they want to make an aisle, I'm like sitting here thinking, God's done all of this and you're going to whine and do this? I mean, don't you trust him by now? You know, I mean, come on, <laughs> you know. But see, he even gives us examples here. Because he takes us through it. It says, By faith, Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice. By faith, Enoch was translated. By faith, Noah, being warned, built the ark. By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go into the place which should... Uh, whatever, I'm sorry. See, by faith, by trusting in God. See, that's what faith is, trusting in God. And I'm telling you, that's where we have to be now. Because let me ask you something. In 2020, how many of us trusted in God? I didn't sweat 2020. I really didn't. You know, because of the word that I had from God. You know? All right, and I want to tell you this. Uh, when we remember the old, when we're talking about remembering those times of the old, remember those things, we have to remember something, though. What was then is not the same as now. We remember those things and remember when, how God took care of us then and how God met us then. But we need to understand that the power that was then, the anointing that was then, is not now. See, because we can't live in the old. You see, I can't go back to those days where I first hungered. I can't go back to that again and hunger that same way again and experience the same thing again because it's, it's, not, it's not there. There's no power from it. I can remember it. I can remember the image of it. I can remember... The power of it. I might even, you know, conjure up a, 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 a brain emotion of it, everything, but it's not there. But I can remember what happened and I can determine that I will still seek God. And I will go after God with that same purity. And then I will experience a power and anointing that will come with that. I like uh, uh, this quote by. Uh, Stephen Mansfield, um, he says, When God does something new and glorious in the lives of his people, he first urges them to remember their past and remember who they are. We remember our past and remember who we are. We remember that we're children of God. We remember that we're his disciples, that we're his. That we're his children, his anointed ones. You know, if you want to take it... <laughs> Put it like this. I'm Kevin the Christ. Oh my gosh, did I just blaspheme? I'm Kevin the Anointed One. He's Delane the Christ. Delane the Anointed One. You see, Christ isn't Jesus' last name. It's a title. He's Jesus the Christ, the Anointed One. And he has made us like him. Now, that's not being arrogant. That's not being, that's not trying to exalt myself above him. 
by no means because it's only by him that I can be an anointed one. Does that make sense? See, that's, that's, uh, that's another area that the enemy would try to get us off into and try and tries to get people off into is that when we think about that we have just as the that we have just as much power and anointing on the inside of us as Jesus did. Remember Jesus said, greater works than I did will you do? That we have the same God power on the inside of us that he did walking around. That I call that I can call myself Kevin the Christ, Kevin the anointed one. But understand that it's the only because of Jesus, the Christ, and what he did on the cross for me, that I can do that. That's the only reason. See, I had a man uh, years ago, a minister asked me, he said, if I remember correctly, I think he asked me if he seemed arrogant. And this, and this was my young, dumb, and stupid, naive days, <laughs> you know. That I, but when I think about it, I thought, man, that just kind of had to be a God moment from what come out of my mouth and everything. Because it, it surprised me a little that he even that he asked that question and everything. But he said, he said, do I seem arrogant and everything? And I just said, I said, it's not arrogant to be confident, confident of what you know. But it's arrogant to think you know more than you do. That's what I told him. And I was like, dang, I just said that. <laughs> but, you know, it's not arrogance to be confident of what you know. And see, and that's a lot of the world, they, they'll, they'll take that from us sometimes because we're so confident sometimes in what we know. There's things that I know that, that have become revelation on the inside of me that have, have become that, that, just that, that I know that I know. That nobody could ever tell me different or take it from me. One of those things is that God will never leave me or forsake me. That became a revelation to me. And I promise you, I don't, you know, the old adage is, you know, cut my hands off, cut my feet off, you know, cut my head off, what have you and everything. You will never tell me anything different on that one. That is, that is a part you will never, ever change about me. Yeah. When something like that becomes that revelation to you. That becomes part of you. I'm going to give you some of this. I think I'm going to land the plane on this one right here. So, there's two things in this world. The, I mean, let me back up and let me say it like this. You have the natural world or the physical world, and then you have the supernatural world. Both of them coincide, walking right together. Now, there was a time when they were integrated. Time of Adam. Until the fall. Then it became separated. I fully believe that Adam walked between both worlds. In both worlds. Could walk between both worlds. I'm not really prepared to try to explain that. Biblically. <laughs> That's just, there again, a Kevinology thought. But I said that to say this. That the two things in this world are fact and truth. Which do you think holds more weight? Fact or truth? truth? Truth. See, the facts could be. Let me think of, try to think of a good example. Hmm. I'm sorry? Healing. Healing. Thank you. Very good one. So, all right. So, the fact is, is that I've had some kind of sinus something going all week. <laughs> Thanks, Teresa, <laughs> for bringing that up. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> so the fact is, I've had some kind of sinus thing going on all week, and it's hung in there like a hair in a biscuit, <laughs> you know. But the truth is, is that I'm healed. See, I'm trying to give you a little, uh, to another little 
more of an answer. Chris, he's a police officer. Chris, so if you were to go on a crime scene, this may not exactly be your area, but I would think it might be. If you were to go on a crime scene, you could have all evidence pointing to one person, but that doesn't mean that that person did it, right? That's true. So that, that's, that's what I'm getting to. Like maybe on a crime scene, all the evidence could point that a certain person did it, but the truth could be that the person did not do it. You have to have that one piece of what? Evidence that that person didn't do that. And what is faith? Everything's the things of things not seen. So now let me say it like this. In this world, we have fact and truth, and truth outweighs fact. Especially 100% when it comes to being the truth of God's Word. When it comes to what God says about you, when it comes to being what God says, who God says you are, when it comes to being what God says you have. See, I don't care what kind of, of addiction somebody might have or you think they have. The Word of God says they're free. See, I've always heard about certain addictions over the years that, you know, they'll always have to deal with that. They'll always have to deal with that. And I sit there and think, no, Jesus paid for it on the cross. That was it, one and done. You know, the only reason they're having to deal with it is because their flesh is still having to deal with it and they ain't conquered their flesh. Does that make sense? Understand that? That makes sense. See, we, we get caught up with our human, what's our human faith. And then, let's see here. Let me just read this. Human faith is based on knowledge, the seen. See, a lot of people put their faith in what they can see. If they can't see it, then they don't believe it. And what did God say here? He said, for, for, uh, without faith it's impossible to believe him, and when you come to him you must first believe that he is. God faith is based on belief, the not seen. So as Christians, as Christ followers, our belief, our trust, our faith is based on him, in him, in choosing to put our trust and our faith in him, in that aspect.